You are listening to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. Now, let's jump into this week's talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Brave Online. You know, today we're kicking off a series on the second half of the book of Philippians. You know, as states and counties begin their process of reopening, there's just a lot of things we don't know. We don't know when we'll be back to work. uh, How will life change after all of this? What will the future look like? We don't know what we don't know. But what we do know is how we can make the most of this season and time in our lives. And so with the shelter in place orders the last few months, this has become the ultimate season of spring cleaning. Recently, after months of being in quarantine, I finally ventured out to Home Depot uh, so that I could do a yard project that I've really been wanting to do around our house. And I was shocked. I mean, I hadn't seen a human in days and I found them. They're all at Home Depot. I asked the clerk, I said, hey, how, how long has it been this crowded around here? Thinking this, you know, this must be unusual because surely everyone has been super safe staying at home and being really careful. And he said, you know what? It's been like this since the shelter in place started back in March. I said, what? All this time I could have been doing more stuff around my house. Spring is that time of year where we come out of winter hibernation. We begin thinking it's time to clean off that deck, pull out the patio furniture, go through the garage, freshen things up. And if you think about it, there's always something that needs to be cleaned and organized in your life, whether you live in an apartment or in a house. You know, we've all got that closet that we're afraid to open. You tell your little three-year-old, Back away, mommy's about ready to open up this closet door and I don't know what's gonna happen next. Or we've all got that junk drawer that's in our kitchen, you know, where all the stuff goes when we don't know where to put it. Those extra books that we stack up on our bookshelves thinking, you know, one day I'd like to organize those books in alphabetical order or by author or topic. Your computer, what's that desktop look like right now? Clutter is everywhere. The other day I put on my big rubber boots, I put on a vest, I got my mask on, I put on my gloves, I put on this uh, protective helmet with this big shield, and Tracy says, where are you going? I said, I'm going in. She says, going into what? I'm going into our garage, and I'm going to clean it. I can't handle the guilt anymore. I've got to do something. And I know, and you know, that our grandchildren, if they go in there, they're going to get lost. And there's stuff in our garage that I don't even want our neighbors to see. You know, it's just time to do some spring cleaning. But how do you know how to, what to get rid of and what to keep? You know, it's just like our homes. Our, our souls represent the housing of our inner life. And if not cleaned out regularly, our inner life can quickly become cluttered. And so today, we're going to talk about how to declutter the soul. And our hope through this series is to help you do some spring cleaning that benefits you in a far more significant way than even a clean house can. It's time to shake off those quarantine crazies and say, I'm taking back my life. This is going to be fun. It's going to be helpful as we talk about how to declutter our souls. What can a decluttering of your soul do for you? Well, it can bring alignment. It can center you. It can give you a whole new level of peace and rest. It'll reduce your stress, your guilt, the anxiety in your life. Decluttering your soul will energize you. There's nothing like it. It's like a a toxic cleanse without all the side effects. 
Marie Kondo, she wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and she says, from the moment you start tidying up, you will be compelled to reset your life. Isn't that a big part of what's happening right now in society and in our families? We're all kind of hitting the reset button on our lives. We're all trying to find a new center. We're asking ourselves, how has our world changed? And what will our lives look like in the future? I was sitting recently in a newly clean garage and there was lots of wide open space and I was just talking with my sons and a dear friend and the friend was reflecting on how his life has been impacted by the shelter in place order. And he shared, you know what? For our family, uh, we're, we're planning on continuing some of the things that we've been doing while we're sheltering in place. We're going to continue having family dinners together. Uh, we're going to continue to slow down our pace in life and we're going to continue our family hikes. I think out of all of this, there's a growing hope in our hearts to make our lives better as we move forward together. Wouldn't you agree? Now, this series will help you do that. And so let's go to today's passage and get started in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul tells us what's on his heart. He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. How do we declutter our souls? Number one, run some diagnostics on your heart. Diagnostics tell you what's going on, to, how to detect the real issue. And when it comes to your soul, this means asking your heart some questions like, do I want to know Christ? When did I last feel the most connected to God and why? And, and where would I rate my relationship with God right now? Where am I in this spiritual journey? Is my, is my soul clear? Or is it cluttered? How interested am I in knowing Jesus? Maybe your honest answer to those questions isn't what you would want them to be. If so, it's time to declutter your soul, which means to get rid of all that unwanted stuff. And it's important to know that when you're trying to stop unhealthy things, you know that slow, gradual approach? <laughs> it never works. You gotta start today. Eliminate every unwanted thing at once. Get up right now, go into your refrigerator, open the door, and throw away that rocky road. Go ahead, do it. Purge the refrigerator. Clean out those cabinets. Cabinets are a Latin word for this is where I store all my carbs. Do it now. You know, you could put me on pause. I'll wait till you get back. Delete those apps on your smartphone. You know, all the ones that you're not using. They're just cluttering up the face of your phone. Unsubscribe to those podcasts that you're really not listening to or even applying to your life. You know, listening to podcasts alone doesn't create, uh, you know, actual change in your life. Action does. Execution does. 
Reorganize the desktop. Purge your files. Don't try to save that unwanted stuff by stuffing it somewhere else. Don't say, I'll do it later. Do it now. And when you eliminate something, you know what? You see instant results. To see sudden change, you have to do it suddenly. Get rid of the garbage, the stuff, the junk. What's in your closet right now? That junk drawer, your garage. You will not be able to reopen your life until you declutter your own soul. When I was cleaning my garage, it was overwhelming at first. I mean, to see all those boxes stacked to the ceiling and stuff everywhere. And so I started with what I knew. I started with the big items first. Knowing Jesus starts with your heart. There's a story that took place in a small village in the Alps. It was a good village and it was filled with friendly people. The area went through an economic downturn. The village began to fall back on repairs and the community was having financial problems. So they called a council meeting together to review the village budget. They reviewed all the employees and they found that there was a man that was receiving funds and the only title that was given to him was Keeper of the Spring. No one knew him personally, they just knew he was an old man that lived up in the mountains near the village. Well, his only task was keeping the debris out of the town's water supply. Most felt, not knowing the history of his being hired, that it was a benevolent gift, just helping out a nice old man. And it seemed to be a benevolent gesture that the town could no longer afford. And so they cut his stipend. A little boy was sent as a runner to inform the man, and so the old man moved back into the village to live with his niece. At first, everything seemed fine, but two to three years later, it was a different story. You see, the townspeople began to suffer an extraordinary amount of sickness, and some people even died. And so little by little, the town was filled with misery. So they called the town hall meeting regarding the health of their village, and they discovered that the sickness could be linked to their water supply. So they all called for the reinstatement of the keeper of the spring. And the old man went back to work, cleaning out the spring that fed their water supply. Well, after considerable time, health began to return to the people in the village. The moral of the story is you are the keeper of your spring. Only you can declutter the wellspring of your own heart. Procrastination weighs us down and smothers our soul. But the moment we take action, we begin the process of spring cleaning. It restores our energy. It resets the joy in our lives. There's no such thing as a self-cleaning garage. Solomon, the wisest person that ever lived, said this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Right now, at our home, we've got all kinds of weeds and grass springing up everywhere. It's the nature of spring. We all need this time to spring clean to slow down and tend to the garden of our souls. Let's continue, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Number two, aim your life at what matters most. During the 2004 Summer Olympics, Matthew Emmons was on track to win the gold medal in the 50-meter three-position rifle final. Emmons was up for his final shot. He was so far ahead of the other competitors, all that he had to do was send a bullet anywhere through the inner ring of the target to seal the gold medal. He prepared himself mentally. He paused his breathing. He took aim. He fired. The bullet passed right through the bullseye. 
but he was puzzled when the tone indicating that he had hit the bullseye didn't sound. Emmons then realized the bullseye that he had hit was on the wrong target. He dropped from first place to eighth. He made a perfect hit on the wrong target. One day we all stand before a greater judge than any judge at the Olympics. And what if he were to tell you that in your life story, that you hit a perfect bullseye on the wrong target? Have you noticed how we don't tend to pay attention to all the little daily decisions that we make in our lives? If you stop and ask, what is a lifetime? It's a whole lot of years and days and minutes taken up by moment by moment with a life aimed somewhere. And before you know it, a lifetime has come and gone and you've started to discover that maybe you've completely missed the mark. So how do you guide those decisions in such a way that you eventually add up to a life that is on target? You see, what you cherish at your core is what you aim your life towards. And there are church groups that have built a culture around saying, be like our church instead of be more like Jesus. And they've missed the target. Paul says, this is the real prize, to know Christ, to be like Christ, and that it's within our power to choose how we will begin to live each day, what your target is, what your goals are. It's important to know what you're aiming at. I had a social distancing lunch with one of my best friends the other day. He's super successful in every category of life. And he was talking about something and he said, you know, I have a formula for how to have a good day. And he kept on talking. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What did you just say? He said, oh, I have a formula for how to have a good day. And I asked him, well, what's your formula? Now, before I tell you what he said, what would having a good day look like for you? Do you have a formula for a good day? And so I asked my friend and here's what he said. After breakfast, I go to my desk and I pull out my list and I pray through it. I have four columns at the top of my prayer list and each column has a name. Now imagine these four words at the top of the page. Gratitude, appreciation, prayer request, and desired results. He says, I begin with gratitude. I've listed under gratitude all the names of everyone that I want to thank God for that have influenced my life. I began with the names of every family member and then all of my many special friends that have so enriched my life. Then in the next column is appreciation. I begin to express my appreciation to God for being the cornerstone of my life. And then I continue down my appreciation list, thanking God for my health, for my resources to do good, for my church, for all the opportunities that God has given to me in my life. And then I express in detail my appreciation to God for all the activities that I enjoy in life and golfing and boating and biking and skiing and music and the places that I love to go to refuel. And then he says the third column is my prayer requests. So after expressing my gratitude and my appreciation for everyone and everything that matters in my life, I list my prayer requests along with my declarations of what I want to pray about. And I say things out loud like, God, I want to be a game changer. Uh, I remind myself that kindness counts, to aim high in life, to have a loving and compassionate heart, Honor God with all that you do. Take initiative. I tell the Lord, God, I'm here to serve you. 
My friend told me that oftentimes as I'm expressing my gratitude and my appreciation and praying for people, the Holy Spirit prompts me to do something, to give or to help someone in some way. And then in the last column is desired results. And I list all the character qualities of Christ, all the qualities that I desire to see in my life, the person that I want to become. And then I end with saying out loud to God, God, I want to be an ambassador of Christ. I'm here to do good, to live a significant life, to learn, to love, to live, to play, to stay focused on what really matters most in life, to live a generous life is my best life. And then I end with asking God, What's your plan for me today? That's how he starts his day. And then he intentionally schedules into his weekly calendar lunches and activities with people that he wants to spend time with. He says, I always have something to look forward to that week. Now, these are his ingredients, his formula for how to have a good day. What would be your formula? What are you aiming for each day intentionally? Paul's goal was to know Christ. This was my friend's plan to do just that. I want to encourage you to talk about this in your brave groups this week. Ask your friends, what's a good day look like for you? What would be your formula? Begin putting into your day the right things. Paul says this in verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining what is for what is ahead. You know, part of creating better days and decluttering our soul is learning to put our past in order, you know, letting to go of old thinking patterns. When you're cleaning out your closet, start with the big things like your clothes, you know, give away the clothes that don't fit anymore, the old ones that are out of date, the, the look that just isn't you anymore, right? To put your soul in order means to put your past in order. You have to decide what goes and what stays. Facing and selecting what doesn't fit in your life any longer can be both difficult and freeing. When we went through our closets at home, there were some things that we weren't able to let go of at first. We, we just weren't ready. But after the first purge, well, we felt some hope again and we decided to revisit that closet and those things that we were hanging on to. And we said, we've gotta, we've gotta do this. We've gotta get rid of this stuff. Here's some advice. Start with the big stuff in your soul. Maybe that means Call that person. Get those big conversations out of the way first. Forgive, heal, and move on. And as you do, you're going to feel new energy and hope come back into your soul. So how do we declutter our souls? Number one, run some diagnostics on your heart. Number two, aim your life at what matters most. And lastly, Paul says in verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Point number three, give God permission to change your view. God's not gonna force you to see it his way because he loves us and he, he wants a relationship with us. No one can force a relationship. Instead, God lets us choose what our hearts want, what our aim in life will be. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or, or, or you're just stuck with your soul and you feel like, man, I'm just not moving forward. Sometimes it's because we're not willing to acknowledge that our perspective is different from God's point of view. Are you willing to give God permission to change how you view things? 
Alexander Pope said, some people will never learn anything for this reason because they understand everything too soon. It's really hard to be a humble Christian. I've met very few because hearing and knowing a lot is not the same thing as applying what you've learned. When we know Christ and then change who we are, we become more like Him and we know Him more and we're transformed into someone other than ourselves into something so much more. Your view, when you need to, to change that view, that area that of, of the way that you're viewing God or you're viewing others or your world, when you make that change, it begins to change you from the inside out. And sometimes what we believe and the way we see things is a hindrance. For example, people will oftentimes, they love the feelings that they have while singing worship songs. But their worship of God isn't being translated into the way that they speak to other people. When what I believe and sing changes the way I love people, I begin to know Christ more. Paul was an intellectual who had the highest level quality of education of his day. He was a successful business person, so much so that he supported his ministry primarily through all of his own earnings. He was a gifted leader. He could start and grow churches wherever the Holy Spirit led him to. But Paul doesn't rest on his past successes in his life. He was a person who stood before many famous people in his day, rulers and leaders and powerful people. And at the end of the day, the one person that he really wanted to know most was Christ. This last verse says, verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Lots of the things that we want only create more clutter in our soul. They clutter the wellspring of our hearts. And as we start getting rid of the clutter in our life, God will guide us to make adjustments as we need to. Let's declutter our souls this week and do these three things. Run some diagnostics on your heart. How's my heart doing right now? Where am I at? Number two, aim your life at what matters most. What, what does a good day look like? And number three, give God permission to change your view. Ask God to humbly reveal how maybe your point of view may need to change. I want to pray with you, but before I do, if you're ready, the first and most important step in the healing of your soul is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray this prayer, and you can pray that pray, the same prayer right where you're at. Father in heaven, today I look to you and I turn my soul and I turn my heart towards you. And I ask you to come into my life and to change me. Forgive me of all my sin, all the clutter in my soul, all the other things that I've stuffed in there. Cleanse me from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please go to brave.church forward slash follow Jesus. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If you don't live in the area, but this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or more information about getting connected, just go to brave.church. We'll see you next week.